Um, If you'll open up your Bibles, we're going to be reading from Hebrews uh, chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins, and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that he says, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is is ready to vanish away. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this place that, uh, that we may come and hear your words. Uh, we thank you for Jackie, and we pray that you give him the, the strength and the wisdom to, to, to speak your words that we may understand them. Uh, again, we thank you for everything that you have given us. We thank you for this day and your blessed name. Amen. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the covenants. We uh, last week we did the first half of chapter eight. We'll uh, we'll be going from about verse seven on to to look at what's the problem, at least here in chapter eight, laid out for us. What's the problem with the old covenant? Why do we need a new covenant? And how does that new covenant uh, apply to us? How's that? How's this all fit together? So hopefully we'll be able to understand. And when we look at the scripture, here's what we learn. We learn that all covenants in the Bible have their origination with God. Just like all understanding has its origination with God. In other words, we know of God because God 
made himself known to us. Not because we did something or found something or experienced something that revealed God, uh, but because he reached us. The Bible says it like this, that, that we love him because he what? He first loved us. He's the first one who moved. He made a move toward us. He reveals himself in scripture. He shows us who he is. As we study the word, we can learn who God is from Genesis to Revelation. It's all God revealing himself to us and his redemptive purpose for man. His redemptive purpose all originates with him. Every covenant. Everyone. And I guess one of the things I, I want us to understand as we move forward is that when God started the, the Old Covenant at Mount Sinai, that the giving of the law was never intended to be permanent. We've been talking the last several weeks about patterns, right? Right? Now, my, my wife does a lot of sewing. I don't know if you could tell from her announcement. She does a lot of sewing. In fact, uh, Sunday mornings, I get up really early. So I, I got up at 3 this morning. And my wife was still up. Uh, she's crazy, huh? I, I'm like, babe, I don't know. So if you try to talk to her today and she fades out, she might just be falling asleep on her feet. But she gets started on a craft or putting something together. And, man, she goes to a whole nother place. Boom, she's gone. She's focused in it. She's, she's, she's uh, uh, just tied into that. And when we, when we look at what Scripture lays out for us, when we look at how Scripture talks to us about this old covenant, about the giving of the law, it's not permanent. She doesn't take a pattern and keep the pattern and doesn't give me, look, Jack, I made you a shirt. And she hands me a bunch of paper that I put on. Because the paper is what? A pattern. And not the shirt. The shirt is what comes after the pattern. Yes? The old covenant is the pattern. Writer of Hebrews is going to say that a hundred times. It's the pattern. The permanent, the reality, the truth is Jesus Christ. And the new covenant that was promised to us all the way back in, in Jeremiah and in, in Ezekiel. And we're going to look a lot at Jeremiah and Ezekiel today so that we can see God's plan and God's purpose. That He is showing a pattern. We saw last time when we talked about the tabernacle. The tabernacle is what? It's a pattern of what? The throne room in heaven. Everything represents something. Everything is a picture of, of Jesus Christ. In fact, next week when we start in chapter 9, we're going to get an opportunity to look at all the pieces of the tabernacle and talk about how those all relate to Jesus Christ. That that's the pattern and He's the reality. That's the pattern He's the reality. We don't keep the pattern. We learn from the pattern. We do things. The pattern's not bad, is it? Well, otherwise you end up with a long arm and a short arm. You guys had those? Or a long pant leg and a short pant leg. And, and somehow it doesn't all, it seems don't work. And yeah, that's when we do things without a pattern. What's our pattern? Our pattern is that old covenant. But there was a problem with the old covenant. Two things that I want you to see that I think Scripture is going to lay out for us. One problem with the old covenant, the people couldn't keep it. But when we talk about the people not being able to keep it, I want you to realize it was never the purpose that the people kept it. What do I mean? The purpose was that the people would understand that I can't keep it and thereby I need a sacrifice for my failure. I need something to take the place, the place for my brokenness. I need something to, to wash away my guilt. And the pattern 
was that a, a lamb would do that. The lamb being a picture of that which is innocent. Right? I'm the guilty one, not the lamb. I'm the guilty one, not the, not the creature. I'm the one at fault, but if we get right down to it, we don't want to pay. We don't want to pay. We can't. The debt's too great. It would mean eternal separation from the Holy One. I, 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 don't wanna, I don't want, nor can I pay that price. So the pattern was, I needed something to make me right with God. But I always understood that something is a picture, a pattern of a reality. The last prophet known to mankind declared before all those who would come and watch him at his baptisms, he declared, Behold, the Lamb of God, which does what? Takes away the sin of the world. Is there any sin that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot purge? No, he has all power to make atonement. To make atonement for mankind. So, I also want you to understand then, therefore, the old covenant was given, always knowing that there was going to be the completion in the new. That the old was the picture, and it has value. We still need the pattern. But it's made whole, complete. In the new covenant. And I think that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying to lay out for us. So that we'll understand. Let's look at verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless. There would have been no occasion to look for a second. So if the first one was all we needed. There wouldn't be a second. But there was. There was. Which means that the first one. As we get to chapter or to verse 13. We're going to see is fading away. It's time is finished. The new covenant has come. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So God in Jeremiah, through Jeremiah, is saying, Look, man, this, this, this old covenant is going to pass away. And, and not because God's frustrated or it wasn't part of God's plan, because this was all part of God's decree. This is the path that, that it was going to take. It's not like something happened and God said, Oh, I've got to come up with plan B. Okay? With God, there's no such thing. God doesn't have a plan B. God has God's plan. And we're going to get there. So, as we look at it, what we want to see, God's saying to them, Look, you guys can't do this. What's He waiting for? He's waiting for them. He's waiting for you and me to realize, I can't do this. He's waiting for us to take the blinders off our eyes and stop pretending that we're somehow righteous. He's waiting for us to take the blinders off our eyes and stop pretending that we're holy somehow. Or that we're somehow better than somebody else on the street. Because apart from Jesus Christ, we're all the same. That's what God's Word declares. Yeah, the bum on Skid Row. Anybody old enough to remember what Skid Row is? I don't don't know how to do that for, for Idaho. But the bum on Skid Row is... He's no worse than me. He's a sinner that needs the grace of God to be saved. Amen? I'm a sinner that needs the grace of God to be saved. we got to take those blinders off so that we can see ourselves in need of a Savior. I need Jesus Christ. I'm not better. I'm not worse. 
I'm just broken. And Jesus makes me whole. And when we realize that, when we recognize that, we want to come. So Jesus is waiting for them. The, the, the Old Testament, Israel and Judah, who are so messed up at the time when the new covenant is given, is they're broken into two pieces. And the north is Israel and the south is Judah. And they're brothers that hate each other. And they can't get along. And they spend time fighting and they spend time breaking God's law and going all cattywampus. And they're no different than we are. At all. We're just like that. And God says to them, Behold, the day is coming when it's not going to be about what you try to show me on the outside. It's going to be about me doing something on your inside. I'm going to work in you. That's an exciting promise that he lays out for us. As we consider the new covenant, I want you to see all the promises because there's some interesting things we got to deal with when we take a look at this new covenant. So let's look at the new covenant and the fact that it was needed. We're going to look at Jeremiah. So let's jump over to Jeremiah. We'll read this portion. The new covenant really is going to kick off in chapter 30 and chapter 31, but we're going to look at this section. It's the most familiar part. And we'll back up and look at pieces of the other. But it says, Behold, the days are coming. Jeremiah 31, 31. Declares the Lord, When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant they broke. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord. You read the book of Hosea. The Lord declares that, that Israel was an unfaithful wife. Now, whether you're a man or a woman, you can understand the, the correlation to an unfaithful spouse. Right? That, I don't know if there's, a, a, if there's a, uh, an, another kind of trust that's, that's similar to that that can be broken. So God says, you're, you're like my unfaithful spouse. You, you broke our covenant. We were covenanted to each other. But you left me. That's what God's saying. You left me. It's not about you, you told a lie, you did this, you did this, you broke the Ten Commandments. That would, that we can work our way through that, but what happened was the nation of Israel turned their back on God and went the other way. They left Him. And He said, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. Because you can't do it. So I'm going to, I'm going to help you be able to do it. Look what He says. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel in those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor, each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of the moon and the stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from before me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. So if the sun doesn't shine, if the moon doesn't, if the stars fall out of the sky, then, God says, I break my promise with Israel. Last I checked, sun's still up there. Yeah? It doesn't always feel like it's shining. I get that. But it's still there, right? The moon's still there. The star's still there. What is God saying? God's telling 
me, showing me that his promise to Israel is forever. His promise, I like that. Because I don't know about you, I, I mess up relationships. Anybody ever messed up a relationship? I mess up, I'm a professional relationship messer-upper. So I, 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 I'm actually, I, I made it to the major leagues. Some of you guys are still in the minors, I know. But, but if you try hard enough, hopefully you'll never get there. The point is, when we mess up relationships, if a relationship depends on me, I'm going to mess it up. But God is saying here, you look at that. He's saying, I will, I will, I will. Not, if you, then I. That's not what he's saying, right? God's saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. That means this relationship with Israel that he's talking about here, he's saying, he's going to do. And if he's going to do it, is he strong enough to do it? Didn't Jesus talk about the, the, that concept, right? That, that, that he is strong enough to hold us in his hands? And no one can snatch us out? For the time being, we won't argue about jumping or leaping or being dopey. But he's strong enough to keep us, right? And then he said, the Father, who's even mightier than I, he's got his hands on us. you got Jesus holding us like this, and then the Father's hands over his he says, yeah, nobody's getting out of his hands. What's he telling us? The relationship depends on God. Not on me to be good enough to be worthy of it. And, and there's an important reason for that. The important reason is then, obedience becomes a desire of my heart. Not an external, I'm trying to be good enough. You guys get what I'm saying? Because love will always do more than the law requires. Love will always do more. Why do I love him? Because he first loved me. I love him because he holds me. I love him because he wants me even though I'm a dirtbag. I love him that he, that he overlooks my stupidity. The, what I discovered this last week. I'm passive. What was it? I'm passive. Passive aggressive. Thanks. You guys know, huh? <laughs> I'm passive aggressive and... Uh, sarcastic. I don't know if any of you guys knew that. And those aren't necessarily character uh, uh, benefits. <laughs> no matter how much I might preach that that is part of the gifts of the Spirit. It's not necessarily. Just, it's just an excuse. But, but you know that God loves me anyway. You know that God doesn't give up on me, though I blow it. You know that God doesn't quit on me because uh, I was in the flesh again and I said something I shouldn't have said. And I'm thankful for that. In fact, I love him for that. That he loves me despite the reality that I'm broken. But the only way that that love can can be birthed in my heart is if I know I'm broken. Because if I think I'm good enough, then I'm blind. And if the blind lead the blind, they both do what? Fall in a ditch, man. They're not going to know where... To go. So, what the word of God is laying out for us. So, thus says the Lord if the heavens can be measured and the foundations of the earth below can be explored, then I will cast off the offspring of Israel for all that they have done, declares the Lord. Yeah, we still can't tell you how big space is, can we? They don't know. Every time they think they got an answer, they change it. I'm old enough to remember some crazy things in. Science books, and, and then I look at other kids' science books, and they're not there no more. And it makes me feel like I'm senile. Like, oh, I'm pretty sure it used to say that. 
Oh, Dad, you're, you're just not so bright. Well, it was there. I'm telling you. What happens? They, 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 the views change, right? They're still trying to solve those things. What's God saying? I'm never going to give up. So let's look at what this new covenant meant to Israel. And hopefully that's going to help us understand what the new covenant means for us. So let's take a look. The, the return of God's people to the land, the first part. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 3, I just want you to listen A couple of scriptures here. It says, For behold, days are coming, declares the Lord. That was Jeremiah's favorite phrase. Days are coming. Days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel and Judah. Now at the time, Jeremiah... I just want you guys to get a heart for Jeremiah. Jeremiah writes this when the nation is divided. The north is already gone. They don't even exist anymore. But God's talking about them like they're still there. Because God hasn't lost him. You guys know that? That God doesn't lose people, that somebody can't hide somewhere and God goes, Oh my gosh, I don't know where they went. No, that doesn't happen to God. God knows exactly where the north is. So he still speaks about them like they're there. Okay, everybody with me? He says, I'm going to bring Israel and Judah back together. These brothers who have divided, I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to unite them again. He says, I'm going to bring them back. I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel and Judah, says the Lord. I will bring them back to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall take possession of it. Now, in my opinion, that never occurred. I'm not sure it has occurred now. So some people might argue that in 1948 or whatever it happened, I don't think it has, because I'm not sure that the borders of Israel are where the borders of Israel were supposed to be. And when God says, I'm going to give them back all the land I gave their fathers, I think he means he's going to give them back all the land he gave to their fathers. So I think that that this is a future promise that God is saying. But part of this new covenant is, I'm going to give it all back to you. Now think what happened to them in 70 AD, guys. They're spit to the wind. There are more Jews in New York than anywhere else in the world. I, uh, I know there's more there than Israel. So they're they're not... Those two houses aren't brought together. But I think that's something that God will complete. And I, in my opinion... God completes it in the 70th week of Daniel. But if you want to understand more about that, you've got to cut them on Wednesday, because that's when I talk about that. But the idea, we're looking at a future promise. Look at Jeremiah 31, 8 and 9. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest part to the earth. So you get the idea that Jeremiah is not just talking about there in Babylon. Farthest parts of the earth. That's, that's, that's a long ways out there. Are you guys with me? Among them, the blind, the lame, the pregnant woman, she who is in labor, together a great company, they will return here. With weeping they will come, and with pleas of mercy I will lead them back. And I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. That's a pretty incredible promise from God, isn't it? Because right now, when Jeremiah is saying this, the people are split, they hate each other, they're going into captivity, and all Jeremiah wants to do is quit. Anybody ever felt that way? All Jeremiah wants to do is say, hang this, I'm done, this is stupid, I'm finished, I want to walk away from it all. Nobody ever listens to me. Everybody that Jeremiah talked to, nobody listened to him, nobody heard him, nobody loved him, nobody liked him except Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was not a very popular guy to most Jews. You guys remember Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah. Nebuchadnezzar told Jeremiah, Look, you've had it rough. I'll build you a castle. Come back to Babylon. And I guarantee you that sounded good. 
If I was Jeremiah, I'd have chewed on that a long time. I could go live in a castle and no, they can hate me from 2,000 miles away. Oh, I don't know. I might be okay with that. But you know what Jeremiah said? Jeremiah said, nope. I got to be with the people who hate me. And he stayed with the people who hate him. And those same people who hated him, they asked him, Jeremiah, what should we do? And Jeremiah said, go to Babylon, man. That's what God wants you to do. Stop all this fighting. And they wouldn't listen. So they said, we're going to go to Egypt. And Jeremiah said, if you go to Egypt, you're all going to die. And he said, well, you're just a dumb old man. A big old long beard. What do you know? So they went to Egypt. And you know Jeremiah never left them? Knowing every step he took was a step toward death? You know Jeremiah died with them all. In Egypt. Just like God said. But he wouldn't leave the people without a voice from the Lord. That was Jeremiah's life. And as he's writing these promises to Israel, it's not a promise for that day. It's a promise that, that God's going to bring about something new, something fresh, something real. And the people's hearts will turn back to God. And I think that was a great source of hope for Jeremiah, that truth, that reality. We also want to see the refining of God's people. And Jeremiah again, Jeremiah 30, verse 7, says, Alas, the day is so great there is none like it. It is a time of distress for Jacob, yet he shall be saved out of it. A time of Jacob's trouble. Sound familiar? Uh, we talk about that on Wednesday night too. But you got to come Wednesday. I'm sorry. And it shall come to pass in that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off your neck. I will burst your bonds. And foreigners will no more make a servant of him. But they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Then fear not, O Jacob, my servant, declares the Lord, nor be dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save you from far away, and your offspring from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return and have quiet and ease, and none will make him afraid. For I am with you to save you, declares the Lord. I will make a full end of all the nations among whom I scattered you. Might want to chew on that a little bit. I will make a full end of all the nations among whom I scattered you, but of you... I will not make a full end. I will discipline you in just measure, and I will by no means leave you unpunished. God says, look, if you need a whooping, you're going to get one. But them other people, the ones who pass UN resolutions in the middle of the night, don't tell anybody about it, there was something like that. There was something, there was Sanhedrin all got called together for a trial. You guys remember that? Trial, of, I think that was Jesus. People voting on that wasn't not such a good thing neither. Nonetheless, we have this statement, this promise. That what's God saying? Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to straighten out my people. I'm going to refine them. I'm going to bring them together. They're going to go through hard times. But the people who mistreat them, I'll make an end of. I'll make an end of them. But he says, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to leave them undisciplined. Do they need discipline? Are they broken? Yes. Are we broken? Yes. Is there unbroken people in the world? No. Are they perfect? No. Are they right? No. Most of the time, they're not. You don't become magically right just because you're Israel. Yeah? At the same time, the Bible does command us, what? To pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
Pay, pray for the peace. So he's going to refine his people. He's going to straighten them out. Then he's going to bring vengeance on, the, on Israel's enemies. It says in Jeremiah 30, 16, Therefore, all who devour you shall be devoured, and all your foes, every one of them, shall go into captivity. Those who plunder you will be plundered, and all who prey on you I will make a prey. God's going to do it. I think this is fulfilled in the kingdom of Christ. When Jesus Christ rules and reigns. Scripture says in Jeremiah 30, 23 through 24, Behold the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intentions of his mind. In the latter days, you will understand this. Again, come Wednesday night. We talk about that stuff. 70th week of Daniel, time of the wrath of God being poured out on earth. Next in this new covenant, this new, this new work that God's doing in His people, we see the relationship of God to His people restored. His relationship restored. What's He say? Jeremiah 30, 22. You will be my people and I will be your God. You shall be my people and I will be your God. That's a relationship. That's a relationship for His people. The reassurance to God's people that He loves them. Because sometimes we can get the idea, I'm not sure God loves me. You go to Israel today and ask your basic Jew on the street, does God love you? He'll laugh at you. You see how many people hate me? Hate us? Yeah, I don't think God loves us. But one of the things that we're going to see in this new covenant is the reassurance of God uh, to God's people that He loves them. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. How long does an everlasting love last? That's a long time, right? Won't be broke. God won't break it. Man will break it. God won't break it. It's an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. I'm thankful that it, everything depends on God's faithfulness, not, me, not mine. My faithfulness is not so good. Yeah? God's faithfulness is perfect. Then there's going to be the restoration of God's loving care for His people. In Jeremiah 31, 10 through 14, says, Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, He who scattered Israel will gather him, and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob, and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion. They shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, the oil, over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a a watered garden. They shall languish no more. Then shall young women rejoice in the dance, and young men and the old will be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. See, that's a particular day. Yeah? The Bible says, for now, in the evening... We mourn, but joy comes in the morning. When's the morning? When the Son of God rises like the sun in the sky. That's the morning. When Jesus Christ rises in our heart, that's the morning. I will comfort them, give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people will be satisfied with goodness, declares the Lord. All Jeremiah 30 and 31. What else does he say? 
The removal of sin from God's people. Look, Jeremiah 31, 34. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his brother saying, Know the Lord. Romans 1 has a similar thing to say, don't it? It says every man is responsible before God because God has shown himself to every man. God has given man what they need. No man has to say, show me the Lord. All people do. But the Bible, Romans 1 tells us, they do that because they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They don't want to they don't want to do, they don't want to be obedient to the God of the universe. Therefore, there is no God, or I am my own God. Either way. He says that no longer will you teach your neighbor, each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Part of the new covenant is God dealing with sin. Uh, sin couldn't be dealt with in the old one. The old one could show us our sin. But the new one deals with our sin. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Also we see the revelation that the nation of Israel will never cease to exist. Jeremiah 31, 35 to 37. We read it a little bit earlier. What did it say? If the sun falls out of the sky, if the moon goes out, if the stars fall down, if the earth ceases to exist, or you can figure out how big the heavens are, then... I'll be done with Israel. So God's not done. He hasn't finished with the nation of Israel. So let's look. I want you to see the, the consequence. The covenant was old. The old covenant. We, we, we talked about it right in verse 7 and 8. Don't forget where we started. We say, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. What's the consequence? What, 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 why does he have to do this? Look at verse 9, Hebrews 8. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. They left me. The language that he uses is, is the same as the language of Hosea. When God said to Hosea, go marry a prostitute, Hosea went and married a prostitute, and she did not stay with him. She broke her covenant to him. She left. And God said to Hosea, go get her back. Go buy her. So he went and bought her. Nobody wanted her. She probably... Finally at a place where she could recognize, you know, life with Hosea wasn't so bad. Living out here on the street, being thrown out, that's not been so good. So Hosea went and paid for her. He redeemed her. That's what Jesus Christ does for us. He said they broke their covenant. There's a a consequence, right? Because they broke my covenant, because they left me. Well... I showed them, for I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. What did he do to Hosea when Hosea when, when Gomer left? When Gomer left, you can't just go get her that day. Why? She don't know she needs God. She don't know she needs redeemed. So Hosea goes and gets her after everybody else is done. After everybody else doesn't want her. After everybody else hates her. After everybody else despises her. She's at the end of a rope. Then God says to Hosea, go buy her. Don't be cheap, neither. Go buy her. 
That's what Jesus Christ did for us. God says, I showed no concern. It's a consequence of turning our back on God. That's where, where people ended up. What's the timing of the new covenant then? Well, Jesus tells us that, guys, in Luke twenty-two twenty, We talked about it this morning with the Lord's Supper. Likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, The cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus said, When I die on the cross, when my blood is shed, the new covenant comes. Boom. It's paid for. With what? The blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. It's the timing so we can get an understanding of when that new covenant lands, when it, when it is with us. So it's not established to do, the old covenant was not established to do what the new covenant did. The old was the pattern. The new is the reality. The old shows us our need. The new provides the means. So the scripture tells us in Hebrews 8.10, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law into their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. They will not teach each one his neighbor, each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sin no more. A contemporary of Jeremiah was Ezekiel. Ezekiel is wild. You ever get a chance to study the book of Ezekiel and you want to melt your noodle, study the book of Ezekiel. Because Ezekiel, God called Ezekiel to some unique things. And here's what Ezekiel had to say. I love this scripture. It says, speaking of, I believe the same thing, God says, And I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. How's that all happen? Because man, we finally come to recognize the richness that God loved us. You know when Hosea bought Gomer... We, we don't get to hear the rest of the story. So you just have to believe what I tell you. When, when Hosea bought Gomer at the end when nobody wanted her, I think that's when Gomer finally learned to love Hosea. Because she knew at that moment, I'm broken, I'm a mess, I'm a wretch. And you paid for me? And that's the same thing Jesus Christ did for us. Same thing. Well, you shed your blood for me? I'm not worthy of the gift. I'm not worthy of the gift. But I love him for it. So now obedience springs from a heart of love instead of a heart of, oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. Oh, I got to, oh, I got to. I never said, well, I guess I did. I was say I never said, uh, oh, I got to change the diapers on the kid. But I, I probably did say that. But if I did, I didn't mean it. Because I loved my child, I wanted to take care of him. I might have wanted Kathy to take care of him more. 
But love always, they didn't ever have to write a law that says, I, I need to feed my kids. Never had to write a law that say, I need to take care of my wife and take care of my family. They ne- didn't ever need to do it. Because, because I love them. I want to do it. Now, want to doesn't always equal what it should. But it doesn't change that it counts. That there's want to there. God changes us from the inside out. So, we see God's relationship to them is going to be more secure. Why? Because He does it. Because if He doesn't do it, what happens to the relationship? Come on, we're on again, off again, fire today, cold tomorrow, lukewarmer next day. We're, our, our walk with Christ looks like a roller coaster. Ups and downs, twists and turns. If we let Jesus Christ reign in our heart, that'll flatten out a bit. Because our relationship to Him hinges on Him, not on me. Hinges on Him working, moving, having His way in me. We recognize that His revelation will be evident to all. He says, you don't have to teach someone know me. They all know me, from the least to the greatest. Doesn't mean they'll all obey. Doesn't mean they'll all hear. Doesn't mean they'll all follow. But they know. Those are God's words. In, in John 6.45 it says, It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Now here's where I may differ from some people, but I believe... That there is power in the Word of God. I believe the Word of God has way more power than anything I'm going to say. And I believe in the Word of God is carried within the Word of God the ability to change the heart of man. So we ought to share it everywhere we go. Who knows that that's not the Word that's going to change the heart of that hardened person. That's how it changed me. I guarantee none of you would like me. My best friends didn't even like me. I've, I got a hold of my best friend from the Marine Corps a few years ago, and he heard I was a pastor, and he started laughing. <laughs> You're a what? Man, they said, did they know what you were like? I said, no, I don't tell them none of that stuff. <laughs> no, I said, yeah, they know. God changes us from the inside out. Same way he changed me, he'll change you. That's what God does, man. That's what God does. So what's his response to sin? It's going to be different. How's it going to be different? He's going to forgive them. He's going to have mercy. I will be merciful toward their iniquities. I will forgive their iniquities. That's what he's going to do. And his memory, he says, I will remember them every time you irritate me. No, it's not like we do with our spouses. Oh, don't act like you don't do it. I can't believe he said that. I hear some of you argue. I know you do it. You're lucky I don't ride in the car with you on the way to church. I hear a lot more, huh? Hey, he says, I don't remember it. When God says he don't remember it, he means what he says. I don't remember all that failure, Jackie. I I just, I see the blood of my son on you. You're white as snow. I hear the beat of my son's heart in your chest. You're my son. Heirs and joint heirs together. Man, that's a beautiful thing. When we recognize it, man, it just wants to bring forth love out of our life. Well, what about that old covenant? Is it, is it 
endure forever. What's it say? It says in verse 13, in speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. I don't think the temple was destroyed yet. And when, at the time when Hebrews was written. But I think the writer of Hebrews is saying, it's not going to be very long. And all this stuff that you put before Christ is going to go away. It'll be gone. And what you'll be left with is the reality of Jesus Christ. Because there is now no Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, man, woman, slave, free. Everybody is the same in Jesus Christ. Right? He has provided. He has provided for us. The old is passing away. So, but, but I don't want to miss. As we look at the new covenant, who's he talking to? Israel and Judah. So how do I say the new covenant is for me? The new covenant was given to Israel. Every time the new covenant is, is, is mentioned, it's given to Israel. Now, I don't ever throw stuff out like that if I don't have an answer. Very often, I don't do that. So, so what's the answer? Well, the answer is to consider the whole counsel of God and realize that the promise was given directly to Israel, but through the Mashiach Nagid, the Messiah, the Prince, He gives it to us all. The promise given to Israel, but through Jesus, comes to all mankind. How do I know that? You're just saying things. Well, that's what the Bible says. In Isaiah 42.6, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, as a light unto Gentiles. There are only two classes of people in the Old Testament, Jew and Gentile. What's God saying? I'm going to use these promises that I give to Israel to show light to the Gentiles. You heard that phrase before? Because all over Isaiah. All over Isaiah. Isaiah 49.6 he says, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you a light for the nations, the goyim, the Gentiles. I'm going to make you. I'm going to use these promises and this work that I'm doing in you, Israel, because you are going to be a pattern to them. And you know what Paul says later on to us? Now you are going to be a pattern to them. Because God's still going to keep His promise. He's still going to keep his promise. Man, he says, I will make you a light to the nations that my salvation will reach to the end of the earth. That's bigger than Israel, just so you know. The end of the earth, that's this spinning ball of fire that we're on. He says, my salvation will go to the end. Isaiah 56, 4 through 8 says, For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me, hold fast my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I'll give them an everlasting name that will never be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord. Oh, you know who they are? <laughs> and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord. You know God's name? 
Yahweh, the Lord Yahweh, those who love His name, and to be His uh, servants, everyone that keeps the Sabbath does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain. I'll make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings or sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the people. All peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others besides those already gathered. Was God looking outside Israel? Don't lose sight. The writer of Hebrews is telling us there's a lot of patterns and we don't want to neglect the pattern so that we can recognize the, the shirt, the robe, the clothes, the truth, the reality. That we can see it. Man, God's looking beyond. Isaiah 66, 18-24 For I know their works and their thoughts and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory. Who's God talking about? It's Old Testament, guys. Talking about bringing everybody together, isn't he? But he, he, he's not going to do it in the Old Covenant. What's he going to do it under? He's going to do it under new. Through whom? Jesus Christ. For he said, I am the way, the truth, and the... Can anybody get to the Father any other way? So we've got to come through Jesus. So all these nations and tongues that God is drawing, how's he drawing them? Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, He brings them together. They will come and see My glory. I will put a sign on them. And from them I will send survivors to the nations, to Tarshish, Pool, Lud, who draw the bow to Tubal and, and Javan, <coughs> excuse me, to the coastlands far away. They have not heard My fame or seen My glory, and they, will, and they shall declare My glory among the nations. So what's He talking about now? Missionary outreach? Yeah, to the whole world. To the whole world. People who never knew. And they will bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord. What did he call them? All your brothers. They're not Jews. But we all come from the same blood, don't we? If we go back far enough, we got the same parentage. There's only one race. A human race. That's it. One race. We're all brothers. God says, I'm going to bring back all your brothers. They went all the way back in Genesis 10. But God's going to redeem the nations. God's going to bring it back. He's going, to, he's going to bring them back for what? For the glory of the Lord. And they will declare my glory among the nations. They will bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord. On horses, in chariots, in litters, on mules, on dromedaries. That's some kind of camel, in case you didn't know. To my holy mountain. I don't know why they didn't just say camel. I, I don't have an answer. Um, to my holy mountain. Now I'm lost. Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring their grain offerings on a clean vessel to the house of the Lord, some of them I will take for priests and for Levites. For as the new heavens and the new earth that I shall make remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From the new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. They will go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be in an abhorrence to all flesh. So there are those who will reject. There's a special place for them. But there's a lot who won't. 
And they're all going to come, how? Through Jesus by way of the new covenant. I saved my favorite for last. My favorite is Isaiah 55. I love Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 says, Come everyone who thirsts. How many people's that? Is anybody in here who's never been thirsty? Because I can go another hour. I'll get you thirsty. <laughs> come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. Come he who has no money. You got to have money? Come he who has no money. Come buy and eat. Now how do you buy without money? Well, he's going to tell us. Come buy wine. Wine throughout the scripture speaks of joy. And milk, that's sustenance. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. You couldn't afford it anyway. Leave your money. Just come. Anyone who is thirsty, Jesus said, and I will give you drink. He says, come. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? Listen to this. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which is not satisfied? Why do you think you go buy something new, you're going to be happy? Something shiny. Something better. You think, I, if I could just buy this, or I could just have that. Or I, he says, why do you spend your money on that which won't satisfy? Why do you do this? Why do you look for things that you can't have? What's he, <laughs> what's he lay out for us? Look what he says. He says, why do you spend money for that which is not bread? Your labor for that which is not satisfied? Listen to me. Eat what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. This is God talking in Isaiah 55. Sounds a lot like Jesus though, don't it? Come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden. You don't remember? He says, come unto me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. How long is an everlasting covenant? A covenant that lasts forever. And who is he? Who did he say this? To, to who is he giving this promise? Everyone who's thirsty. If you're never thirsty, you're not part of this group. It's like saying in Revelation, "Let him who has ears hear." So you're not responsible to hear unless you don't have any ears. But I pretty much cursory glance shows me most of you guys have ears. So you get it. So this is a promise to everybody. My steadfast, sure love for David. Now, don't miss this. We've talked about David a couple times. God's going to raise up David, this king who's going to lead everybody. David is a pattern. Of who? Oh, look how smart you guys are getting. David is a pattern. The one who, who is... is uh, how's it, how's it, how do I say it? David is man after God's own heart, right? Man after God's own heart. The only thing better than David is God's own heart. What's God's own heart? Jesus. Jesus. Son of God. The King. True David. A better than David. Superior than all these things. He said, my steadfast, sure love for David. The promise of David, the King. Behold, I made him a witness to the people. A leader and a commander for the people. And you shall call a nation that you do not know. And a nation that you did not know will run to you. Why? Because the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, that's Jesus, for He has glorified you. So what's going on? And God's saying, hey, this promise, this new covenant that I give to Israel, 
through Jesus, that goes to everybody. To all who are thirsty. To every nation, every tongue, every people. The promise, yeah, it's to Israel. Through Israel, it comes to us. Because the purpose of the promise was to shine a light to the Gentiles. That the Gentiles would come and shine a light to Israel. And Israel's going to come. We just hadn't seen it. And it ain't happened yet, by the way. Them folks over there ain't come. They're just as blind as everybody else. They need a Savior. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. But the Bible says they're going to come. They're going to come. Paul says they're going to look at you and they're going to become jealous for the relationship you have with the God of Israel. And they're going to say, what what, what are we doing? We ought to get our act together. And then the scripture says they're going to look at Jesus and they're going to see. They're going to see the one whom they pierced. They're going to mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. They're going to recognize their brokenness. See the holiness of a God who says, I want to put my law in your heart. I want to put my spirit in you. I want to take out that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And they're going to come. Same way we did. Same way we do still today. So what's the result? The result is there's one covenant. Primarily given to the nation of Israel and applied to the church through the Messiah. Through Jesus Christ who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's how we get into the new covenant. Through him, his blood. And then he gives us a job to do. Yeah? What's that job look like? That job looks like men and women who are willing to hear what God promised to the nation of Israel and do what they didn't. Which was what? Be a light. Shine a light. Let people see Jesus Christ in you. Let them see what he's done, who he is. How incredible he is. Let them know that it's not because of some effort to make yourself worthy of him, but because you finally recognize this incredible gift he's given you and love is born, birthed in your life. And so you follow him because you love him. And love will always do more, not less. Not, it ain't love that says, oh, God will forgive me. That's not love. That's something else. That's pride, arrogance. Love says, I just want to follow him. I just want to be obedient to him. I want to shine the light of Jesus Christ in my life. Less of me, more of him. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.